Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. What is happening, everybody? Bam here with the Flying Monkeys Wargaming Podcast, where if Wargaming was easy, it would be your mom. Basically, what I wanted to do today was a kind of a different episode more than usual. Won't have the guys on. It'll just be me, to a certain extent, monologuing and talking about my experience at the uh, New Orleans uh, Warhammer Open event. I'm not sure if that was the official title. Might be the official title, but we're just going to roll with it anyways. You guys know what I am talking about. It went down October 1st in New Orleans, Louisiana. So it was pretty cool to uh, actually see Warhammer, the Warhammer people, I guess, Games Workshop out, doing events again, running events again. It has been a long time. For those that are new to the hobby, probably came in the hobby, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th edition, whatever. Games Workshop hasn't been out doing the thing in a minute. You know, we used to have, back in the days, we used to have the Warhammer Open, or not the Warhammer Open, I'm saying that again wrong. But we used to have the, you know, the Ard Boys, the games day type deals and a lot of people enjoyed going to those tournaments and so it's nice to see such events come back to the stage such events come back for us here to play and uh, I was really excited about getting my ticket and really excited about going and I'll let you guys know you know over the course of this podcast how that turned out I'm going to take this as a kind of a catch-as-can basis and just throw out their thoughts as they come. I know there's a lot of people I ran into, talk, got reconnected with, spent time around that I'll probably forget or not mention in the process of this. And I do not want you to take offense. I don't want you to be mad because more than likely there's just so much going on that I just, just blew my mind. You'd been in my thoughts in some way. And then whenever it comes out to this podcast, you know, might just uh, might just not be there. So don't get mad. So anyways, one of the biggest things about this is like, you know, the, the people you meet at these events, the, the friends you make, the, the people you play, most instances they become, you know, forever friends. You'll see them at other events. You'll see them other places again. And, uh, the, you know, that holds true. And, and so that's one of the reasons I was excited to go do this. You know, you get to play eight new games, uh, hopefully meet eight new people. And then, uh, you know, you walk away with eight new friends. And that's how I felt the weekend went for me for the most part. So I was pretty excited about that. But with that being said, let's talk about old friends. You know, one of the coolest things about going down there that I was looking forward to was my boy, Adam Bramovich. Uh, if you guys know Adam, Adam did the Best General, a uh, popular podcast for a long time. Uh, currently works for the Army Painter and uh, does some cool stuff. So, but besides that, you know, Adam is one of those dudes that actually makes the effort to check in. You know, makes the effort to text. You know, call, say hello, uh, see if things are going well. And uh, so, I really, really, really appreciate that out of Adam. Uh, probably one of the best dudes on the planet. I uh, would give you the shirt off of his own back if you asked for it. Uh, might not fit because he's so damn skinny, but he'd give it to you. So, uh, huge shout out to Adam because uh, I was I was really glad to get some quality time with that dude this weekend and uh, spend it talking and catching up and just going through some things. He knows a lot about my personal life and some stuff I'm dealing with, and he's got some expertise in that area. So we kind of talk through some of that and work it out. But a uh, huge shout out to Adam. Um, also, another one is going to be James Kelling. So uh, those that don't know, uh, James Kelling. You know, writes for Goonhammer, plays for uh, Frozen North, which uh, Frozen North has a member of the team. And, uh, you know, all those guys are really good guys. And I really enjoy them, enjoy their company, enjoy getting to talk to them. And uh, James, between rounds, would come up, check in with me, ask me how games were going, you know, be encouraging. Being a force for good, which uh, no one was uh, obligating him to do so. 
And uh, he chose to do it anyways, and he was in contention most of the weekend and still took time out to come by and see how things were going and give me a thumbs up. But uh, I really, really appreciate that, James. So I think it speaks to you being a good guy in spite of uh, sometimes you can get a little snarky, but I think we all can. So um, so those, those are the two huge, big shout-outs I got to get out of the way up front before we forget. But let's get into the New Orleans Open. So getting there, it was uh, a bit of a hassle. I flew. And uh, I flew with my army. I basically packed everything into a foam, into a carrying tray, which I have uh, the Hammerhead Games uh, tray that I really dig, I really enjoy, and I've been using it for years, and Tony makes a good tray. So I packed everything into that tray, and then saran wrapped the hell out of it to where stuff couldn't move around, slide around, and packed it into my bag. And flew to New Orleans. And the thing is, is like I got to New Orleans and my luggage did not get to New Orleans. So there was a little bit of a panic. And while I'm hanging out in the airport, I go to get in line for a shuttle to make sure I can get my shuttle over to the the hotel. Because they don't have really, cabs are super expensive, Ubers are super expensive. And they have a shuttle service you can sign up for. And I signed up for the shuttle service. So I go to get in line to get my ticket. And standing right in front of me is the Salty John. And for those who don't know Salty John, uh, Salty John's a good dude. He he does make a lot of memes. He does complain about stuff on the internet. But uh, he also over there at uh, TSR Radio or TLR. God damn, I can't remember the name of it right now. But John uh, John does you know he's he's active in the Warhammer community. He judges judges some big events. And uh, he's a good dude. So we got to hang out at the airport while we waited for our shuttle that was uh, an hour or so away. And in the meantime, waiting for our shuttle, my luggage showed up at the airport on the next flight that came in from Houston. So I managed to be able to get my luggage, uh, get my army, get my everything, and uh, get onto the plane, or not on the plane, on the shuttle to the airport with all my belongings. So that was super dope. And getting downtown, uh, getting to the uh, getting to the hotel, which uh, the Hyatt Regency down there was super cool. It was a super big, big, big place, which I think if you're going to host an event like this, you kind of have to roll with. Um, you probably can't get away with having 200 some players without having a place that you know is is designed to have that kind of occupancy for major conventions. And I think the Warhammer events team did a super good job of picking that place out and having it there for. Us, you know, the the only issues I felt like with the venue, which bothered me, was, you know, this is honest opinion. It's I think the food at the restaurant there was a bit left a bit to be desired. Um, There was some kind of school thing there for I think traveling nurses or nurses, and they had like this cafeteria setup type deal where it felt like the cafeteria setup was more priority than actually being a hotel restaurant so there was a lot of like waiting in line you know ordering off of a pretty narrow menu and being shuffled in shuffled out you know sometimes not getting your food sometimes getting skipped over on your food uh, sometimes not even having your number called and someone else taking your food so if I had any complaint about the venue, uh, that'd probably be the big one. Not, uh, and that is not on the events team fault, because those guys probably had no idea whenever they were picking it that that was going to be the conditions that the restaurant was. So there was a lot of local food nearby, though. Um, we did walk, walk down to the to Bourbon Street, walk down to the 
to the to the area where all the food was, and it probably you know a good fifteen minute walk, about half a mile, three quarters of a mile, but it was not bad. You know, even even for being a fat kid in the humid, sticky weather, uh, it was not a horrible walk to go find some cool food, which we did manage to do. So I got to got to the hotel, getting back to where we're at, and. For those that know and listen to the podcast, you know, there's some jabs back and forth with Team Texas, and uh, 90% of it's in jest. 90% of it's just screwing around with Team Texas guys and hoping someday some of them will find a sense of humor and have fun. But uh, I got to shout out David, man. Uh, David Villera, uh, dude drives me nuts sometimes, but I, I do think the dude has a big heart. He uh, reached out to me and asked me about going, asked me if I had a place to stay. And uh, David found me a room on the cheap at the at the venue with one of his homies that was staying there, uh, Aaron. So um, huge props to Aaron for let me crop prop for let me crash in his room. And uh, we basically had a snore off every night, and it was a race to go to sleep. But we uh, we managed to figure it out, managed to make it work. And uh, Aaron's a pretty dope dude. We had some some cool conversations and got to got to wander around New Orleans together. And uh, he's a dedicated night player, so he's one of them guys. But we had a lot of fun talking about 40K, talking about life, you know, video games, whatever. But uh, all that was set up by David, and uh, so I, I gotta, I gotta give Team Texas some props for the the hospitality and the helping out. And on that note, you know, we got to hang out a little bit with some of Team Texas, so I got to, I uh, got to actually play uh, Cliff, uh, play another guy, David. And, uh, you know, it was good games. It was good sportsmanship. Uh, they represented their team well. And the thing I do want to say about Team Texas guys is those dudes come out in force for events. You know, Joni, Joni's a hell of a good player. Uh, Brett's a hell of a good player. Uh, you know, all those guys were there. All those guys were a lot of fun to be around. And it was cool to see a team that, you know, can make it out to an event in force. You know, and I wish more guys on my team would would show up at events like that and 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 you know and hit it hit it hard and so i do think that uh i have to give team texas some props so and even viet man viet hooked me up with some moonshine at some point and uh he was on his best behavior so uh here you know right on your calendar mark it down but uh team texas came out to that event and uh did some pretty cool things and it was a good group of guys so uh but where to go i guess the event itself you know those don't uh it was it was an eight eight round gimmick where basically you played four rounds you got put into pods and then you competed within your pod for placement overall in the event it's not it's less complicated than it sounds it just sounds that way that's pretty close to getting in the top pod um i went three and oh day one and then uh, day two, I kind of had a, a rough, rough game from the out. It's uh, I don't know. So first, uh, let's go through my first day. So I went three and zero. First game, I uh, I played a dude who was more of I think just a hobbyist there to have fun, and uh, he brought his Dark Angels, and he he was reasonably new to Eighth Edition, so a lot of the game was helping him understand the game, understand the terrain, understand how those things work, and uh, get through the game on time. And he was a really nice dude. And I wound up pulling the W out. Um, he just he just didn't have a whole lot to deal with what I brought. And he has you know a lot of the old Marines, old school things. So, but he was a cool player. And then uh, game two was a guy named Tom. 
and Tom had like one of the nicest Gene Circle armies I'd ever seen. Uh, it was all heavily converted to be like Cobra from GI Joe, and it looked apart. Like it, it just looked apart. It looked like a you know Cobra. There there were some cool cool models that were super dope looking that I I really enjoyed seeing on the tabletop. But uh, Gene Steeler Colt does just does not have you know very great you know things in the game right now until they get their books. So you know the game basically played out like you think the game would have played out. And so I went two and zero, oh. and uh, then game three, I uh, I played a guy named Kicker. And if you guys don't know, Kicker does frontline gaming stuff. He's with the frontline gaming team, and he had Admech. So in him having Admech, I was kind of like, oh man, this is a uh, it's gonna be a bad day for the Space Wolves. I thought I was gonna be ending two and one, uh, but that is not how things turned out in that game. Kicker made some, well, first off, he made a basic error. He put some stuff right by where it can be heroically intervened into with my Thunderhammer Wolfguard squad. And basically, they heroically intervened and then consolidated. So they started basically six inches up the board. And then were able to move another 18 and uh, be into his backfield pretty quickly. So that uh, made for a bad day for the Admech. Uh, there was also the Incursor that refused to die. Allowing me to charge a big unit of horses with uh, some blade guard, which basically chew those guys up. And it just it kind of went downhill from kicker because that one mistake. And then not only did he let me heroically intervene into his his unit once, he went back to the same, unit, the same objective later in the game, uh, put some models on it, and then let me heroically intervene into them yet again with another character. So it was uh, not a good day choices for kicker. But uh, if you guys don't know, Kicker's a hell of a dude. He is a lot of fun to play. And uh, so I wound up winning uh, that game, uh, going second against the Admech and walking away with the W, and 3-0 on day one. So day two is a another story. So <laughs> I played this kid. Uh, his name was Hunter. I say kid. He's 20-something. I think he was 22, 23. But a uh, really, really nice guy. Um, I guess he just kind of started... Getting into the competitive thing, wasn't really supposed to be there. But he went 3-0 day one with his Death Guard list. And Death Guard is a bad matchup for my Space Wolves. So there we are, uh, playing the, the game, doing the thing. And uh, Hunter put one on me, man. I, uh, you know, hands down, hat tip to him. Uh, he wound up beating me, I think, 93-59. to 59. So he got like 40 points over me. And he, I think the thing in that loss, which was kind of cool, was... He was really excited that he was 4-0. Like, he had never, I guess, done that at a tournament before. He went 4-0. He was super excited about it. Thought it was cool. And uh, I, I was happy for him. So even though I lost, you know, I got, got one on me. And it probably would have dropped me out of the top 16 for that pod. You know, it was nice to see a kid that happy about playing Warhammer 40K. And I got to kind of stop for a little bit and, like, take myself out of the situation and just see that someone else, you know, like he really earned that, you know, that was his and, and he wanted to kind of you know, just have that moment and it was dope to like see him do it, see him do the thing and, you know, I wished him luck and joked and uh, meanwhile on that round, just so you know, if you uh, see a picture of my underwear hanging out of my shorts around on the, uh, the internet, there's a infamous orc player by the name of Sean, who you guys have seen Sean because he is like the internet orc guy for 40k but uh sean's also on 
frontline gaming. He uh, managed to circulate a picture of my uh, my underwear hanging out of the back of my shorts through some some dark web circles of the the 40k universe, and I'm I'm gonna perpetually call him a pervert for that from now on. But Sean got me pretty good, so. Round five was uh, I played. If you guys do not know the national treasure, that is Clifton Russell. Uh, Clifton Russell's a orc player out of Texas. Uh, he is dressed up in the red, white, and blue nine times out of ten when you see him at a tournament, and a uh, super nice guy. And uh, he put one on me. His orcs got to go first, and in his orcs going first, you know he basically just mowed through my shit. I was on my back foot from the jump, and I could not recover. So I went from going three and zero to taking two L's pretty quick. So that was uh, that was how my day two was going so far. And on that note, um, I did not go first to this point. So I went second, 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 and I don't know if you guys have been through this or not, but it gets pretty disheartening. Uh, going going second that many times it just gets old like you, you know I'm through five games at this point which is at least a small GT in some instances and to not go first through that point was just frustrating and I remember round six I was like if I play something nasty and I go second again I'm just gonna hang it up and just you know let them have the win because I am done at this point and you know so it was kind of my frustration level was high with getting alpha struck and we'll get into the terrain later and what I thought about the terrain and how the terrain worked and one of the things I think that lent towards getting alpha struck which some people out there have different opinions of the terrain which is fine I do think the terrain was good but I do think the terrain had one thing that can be manipulated by a couple of different armies that I'll, I'll get into later when we talk about the terrain but so we go into round six. Um, I play. Uh, I think his name was Dave Dreyfus, but he was a cool dude. Um, he was also playing orcs, and I remember thinking, like, man, if I go second again, I'm gonna get killed off the board. I'm just gonna go drink whiskey, and I wound up going first. I got some stuff into position where I wanted it to be in position. I managed to get some things, touching some things in close combat, so it couldn't get shot at unless they wanted to fall back. And I wound up beating Dave 100 to 39, and Dave at that point I think was just there for the for the beers, so we we had a good game. He was a good dude, a solid player. I just I got the jump on him, and he was on his back foot. So, um, but that would be my day two. So after after day two, I'm uh, I'm four and two, going into to day three. So I'm I'm definitely in the second pod. I'm in the 16 to whatever pod for placement. And then uh, I start day seven or day day three, round seven, against a guy named Robert. And uh, if you guys don't know, Robert is a hobby goblin and a pretty cool dude. He brought Grey Knights. He actually had a Grey Knight Land Raider. Uh, the reason he brought the Grey Knight Land Raider was to prove a point and say that the, you know, the Land Raider was viable and he wanted to win some games with it. And that Joker managed to beat me with a Land Raider in his list. So it's, uh, if you ever had that game where you just can't get anything going, uh, that, that was the game. You know, so I was back to going second, uh, was second in that game. It was like, okay, so the, the going first only the last once this weekend. And went second, 
Robert, you know, didn't do a whole lot of damage in the shooting phase, but I had to come out and chase him off stuff. And when I came out and chased him off stuff, his turn, his turn two shooting was pretty nasty. Um, my drop pod with all the melts that came onto the board, and the drop pod with all the melts coming onto the board, basically whiffed into the land raider. Uh, so the land raider got to walk around with wounds on it, get healed by a tech marine, and shoot the shit out of my stuff. So. He also had Dread Knights, you know, shooting into things, uh, halvers, swords going everywhere. And if you guys don't know, that new Grey Knight book can kill Space Marines very, very, very easily. So, but Robert was a good appointment. Uh, appointment opponent. Uh, we bet a bet a nickel on some dice rolls that, uh, which might be illegal, but we, uh, he won. I honored up, paid him the nickel, and uh, Robert broke one of my cyber rolls on accident and uh, sat there at the table and fixed it before we left. But uh, the dude had a good sense of humor. It was nice to play somebody who could talk a little shit, you know, take take a joke, give a joke, and uh, seemed to be a super cool dude. I really, really, really hope I run into that dude in the future because it was a lot of fun to play him. So even though I lost, I think I lost 97 to 53. Let me look at BCP here. But yeah, 97 to 53 is what I lost. So, And then round eight, which uh, last round of the tournament... Um, I'm sitting right now, I think, four and three. I would like to get a win on the way out. And I get matched up with a dude named Keith Wilson, who uh, Keith was running his own chapter of Space Marines. And he had a super dope army. This army was really neat. It was the old metal stuff. It was the old Beaky Marines. It was all the old Games Workshop models, old chaplains, old captains on bikes. Just the army was really neat to see playing on the table because some of those models I remember were some of the reasons I fell in love with Warhammer 40k and seeing those things fielded, seeing it filled in a custom chapter like that, like it was really cool. And you know, I don't know, he was a good dude. We were both tired, we we're both about the same age, so we we're both late 40s. Uh, eight rounds of Warhammer 40k, backs hurt, <laughs> he's just ready to get this game over with. and I think that game would have been a hoot or a blast if we'd have met up on a Saturday at a shop somewhere and played it. But uh, we both had a good game, but we were just super tired, super, super over it. And uh, I wound up getting Keith uh, 93 to 44, and we had a lot of fun, and he was a good dude. He was also a local from the area, but wound up going 5-3, and three, so that was my record for play. And I had eight good games of 40K. I had eight good opponents of 40K. And I do think that's one of the cool things about those big events is the, the mix of people there is a lot different than the mix you'll see at your typical GT. So it's it's worth the experience to go play the games. It's worth the experience to go do the things. And so with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the event itself, you know, besides the games. They had, uh, you know, the, the Warhammer team, some of the guys in the Midwest know, uh, Ryan Schwartz, Nate Goodfellow, um, Mike Brandt, you know, out there from Nova, used to be Nova. Now he's now he's you know Games Workshop events um, for the United States, and that team is good. They they put on a good event. We got secondary cards that were pretty neat, well printed. We got mission cards that basically you didn't need your your chapter approved book if you had the cards. So it was nice to kind of see that, be able to pick your secondaries off the card, being able to set the missionary mission up off of the card. And it's a really good idea for a tournament and doing a tournament and having it there for 
you know, the future or put it in your packet that way. I, I, I just dug it. I liked it. It was cool. And now I have them for my games back home, so I'll use them beyond the tournament. Uh, the, you know, the they had this thing with the judges would walk around. They were doing active judging, uh, which I like. I'm a fan of active judging. Um, most of the judges would come up to the tables and, you know, they weren't overbearing or rude. They would come up and be friendly, you know, ask, ask how the games go on or say hello. And if you were doing something nice or they saw you doing something they thought was sportsmanship-wise dope, you got basically a free drink coupon. So you could go get you a soda. You know, you can go get you whatever out of the, the little canteen that was set up in the hallway. And that was pretty solid. You know, it was, uh, I got a couple through the event, you know, and it was nice to go over and not have to pay three bucks for a, a can of Diet Pepsi because a judge saw you doing something nice and, and gave you the coupon. And uh, I like that idea, and I might adapt it in my own tournaments at some point because, you know, just a neat little reward system for seeing gamesmanship and good play. Uh, you know, the staff was really nice. Uh, everybody there was really patient. Uh, explained things well. The announcements were great. Uh, one thing that was interesting that they did was there were no, you know, there, there really wasn't chess clocks floating around. They had milestones that they went off of. And if you didn't meet the milestones, uh, basically judges would come over and you could not talk a game out unless a judge was there at the table. And, you know, all my games wrapped up on time. Uh, we got through all of them and we met the milestones. And basically, you know, Brant would get on the microphone and be, Hey, uh, it's turn, you know, you've made it this far. You should be at this milestone. You should be on turn three or wrapping up your turn three. You know, or you should be through your deployment at this point. You know, you and your opponent should be getting ready to do your second turn. Like we, you know, we heard those milestones all the time. And it was kind of, kind of interesting to be a guy who usually plays on chess clocks at events to go from playing on chess clocks to hearing somebody just saying like, Hey, this is about where the game is. And, you and your opponent look at the game state and see like, okay, we're on track, you know, and you guys just keep doing what you're doing. So I don't know if I would do that at my events. Um, it did work for this event. I, I do think it's a good system. It's a good alternative to someone who might not like chess clocks to, to work off of milestone times, but, uh, it was, it was a super good idea and, and Brant, you know, executed it well. And I did see a few games that, after the round was up, that judges had to go to the table and, and talk it through with the opponents. And the the funny thing about it was most of those that I saw were games that didn't really matter. They they were games of lower tables or or games that there was clearly, you know, a disparity of, of, of points between the win and the loss. And so, you know, none of the I think highly competitive or the the highly placed games wound up in that situation because those those players got it wrapped up and got through their things so i myself you know it's like uh coming from uh martial arts and coaching a, an mma background you know there's a lot of times that you should just get your game finished you know you don't want to leave it to the judges and that's kind of how i thought about that system was like in in regards to mma is like if you if you want to win the fight you know get the submission get the knockout you know get the get the tko don't uh, don't leave it up to the judges. You leave it up to the judges. That's where you're gonna get the problems. And that's uh, to me, it was incentive to get games wrapped up and get games done without a chess clock. So kind of a hat tap hat tip to Brant for developing that system and for that system to be working well. Um, also, you know Ryan Schwartz, uh, gentleman, professional. 
uh, good addition to that team. Uh, he's based out of Oklahoma, so I've ran into him here at our, our, our local meta. Um, I say local as, as in everybody within, you know, three or four hours. And uh, Ryan, you know, it seemed like he was in charge of a lot of stuff at the shop, you know, running around, making things happen, get set up. And uh, it was it was cool to see him down there in his in his zone doing his thing. And uh, the shop was cool. They had like a pretty much a full Games Workshop shop down there. Uh, I was a little bit, you know, I was under the impression there was going to be more Forge World than there was. And a lot of the Forge World was kind of lacking. There just, there wasn't a lot of Forge World, but there was a shop. You know, you could buy stuff. I spent money on things. I bought some Lord of the Rings stuff. I bought some actual Forge World from, uh, you know, some Eldar stuff I saw that was cool that normally might not be able to get a hold of. And it was a cool store. And then they had, uh, I think, uh, CK Studios set up to paint a, uh, a Titan. And they were doing that over the course of the event to raffle off. Um, so the progress was pretty neat to see on that. And it was, you know, just a lot going on. You know, they had a giant space marine, a primary space marine. Set up there for displaying pictures. They had the the Warhammers that were made on Forged and Fire uh, on display there. And I guess the the names of the winners will be transcribed to those events as they or those uh, those displays as they travel around. And it was it was pretty solid. So that's uh, the other thing I wanted to get into. I I, I know we're kind of all the place all over the place here, but the award ceremony um, award ceremony went pretty well. Uh, people got certificates, people got cool stuff, people got digged through a treasure box. And uh, I guess recreationally, one night uh, at the bar, uh, the Games Workshop got the bar at the hotel. And we got to preview uh, an episode of Hammer and Volter. And it was pretty cool that they got to preview it early because it was the Space Wolves episode. And, you know, like Ulrich the Slayer, uh, Krom, Dragon Gaze, and uh, Nial the Stormcaller were in this episode. So I was super hyped as like a dedicated Space Wolves player to get to see this early. And they were pretty strict about, you know, don't don't record, don't take pictures, make sure you're not, you know, doing that. And, and what's funny is I was just sitting at the table texting Laura and just kind of watching the episode and... Someone, someone went and told someone that I was recording the episode, so uh, I got my phone go through, gone through to make sure I was not recording the episode, and I, I'm like, whoever did that was a punk bitch, because my phone wasn't even pointed at the screen, but, so that was about the only, like, weird experience from the weekend, and I'm like, yeah, the, the Space Wolves guy is gonna be the guy to sit there and record it and leak it out on the internet, you know, when it's coming out Wednesday on the app anyways, but... It is what it is. And we did do Warhammer Trivia that night. So the Warhammer Trivia was kind of fun. Um, Salty John was doing well with it. And asked a bunch of different questions. You know, 40k fiction, uh, H Sigmar fiction. And um, it was just neat to see everybody get together in that kind of an environment. And do Warhammer things. I think if I ever do Warhammer Trivia or something like that at Flying Monkey, I'll probably model it off of that. Because it was pretty dope. Um... But, uh, I think that's it, guys. I think that's pretty much my, my takeaways from the event. Um, I met a couple other friends. I don't know if I shouted out Aaron that I roommated with. I think I did earlier, but I'm going to shout him out again. Um, John Stovall, who was a, a friend of Adam Abramwich, uh, hung out with us a little bit. 
and I like John. Got to meet John a little bit. He's a, a Louisiana native or local, one of the two. I can't remember, but yeah, I got to spend some time with that dude, and he was super cool. Uh, so I made some new friends I hadn't had. Uh, Mark Perry and I, one day, Mark Perry was waiting in the long lunch line, and I'd ordered a whole pizza, and there was no way I was going to order the whole pizza. So uh, I offered up half my pizza to Mark. He sat down and ate with me. Uh, Mark Perry's a cool guy. He's a lot of, a lot of energy, and uh, he can tell he's still a young man full of energy. So it was, it was pretty dope to get to interact with him a little bit and talk to him. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else really. Uh, Zach that I met was super cool. Uh, Brett that I met was super cool. All my opponents were super solid. Um, I shouted out James Kelling earlier. And uh, Adam, of course. Uh, Mike Brandt, good job putting on the event. And uh, Ryan Schwartz, good job. You know, it's. Uh, I look forward to doing another. I think I'm going to try and get into Austin. But we will see. So... There is my rundown. Uh, there's what I thought of the New Orleans Open. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Oh, I didn't talk about terrain. Let's uh, let's break out for a little bit and talk about terrain. So, uh, the Warhammer 40k terrain. Uh, one of the coolest things I think about Ninth Edition is the Warhammer 40k terrain and terrain being interactive, terrain having rules, and you know, not just being a a display piece on the table. It actually has some some consequences in game based on how you use or not use it so that was uh you know that's that's where ninth edition is compared to others if you haven't tapped into it yet but so uh games workshop used standard terrain they used uh uh one layout for day one one layout for day two um the judges went and changed the layout between uh between the days which was pretty cool that you know in, in some ways it was cool that all the tables were in same but in some ways, it was kind of, you know, uh, you know, I, I like, I think having some of the variety of tables and approaching it is part of playing 40K. You know, you, you get to the battlefield and you got to figure out the battlefield and solve that problem. But if it's one less thing you get to deal with or interact with, you know, sometimes it can be more efficient. But the the day one setup, I felt like for doing Dawn of War, and uh, and the couple other missions that we did, you know, there was pretty much a shooting gallery down the center of the board, which you could play around, you could adjust for. But you know, it did it did lend? I think it lended a hand towards some shooting armies. And you know, it's doing the Donald War deployments. I, I get what they're trying to do, but you know, it, if you want to go hold objectives in the middle of the board and not have anything out there to protect or or keep it you know, less of a shooting gallery. It kind of gets old after a bit. And I did like the train though. The train was quality the way that the clear bases were, they were, you know, you knew where the train started, where the train ended and it was flexible that you could, you know, move it around. If you needed to take measurements, you needed to get in there and see how far something was away from something. Uh, so the, the one problem I had though with the terrain and the train setups is I feel like the ruin, footprints were a little big I, I i think that they could take the ruined footprints and maybe cut them in half you know or cut a quarter off and maybe find another place or two for some other obscuring ruins on the board because the issue with the with the ruined footprint being so big with the meta right now you know if the meta changes this this opinion might change but 
the the meta is where admec planes and uh, and orc planes are kind of supreme right now you know it's richard siegler won the event that we're talking about right now with a bunch of admec flyers you know orcs uh mark perry you know cliff a lot of those guys all had a minimum of like three of the orc flyers you know and and so admec being admec and orc flyers being orc flyers uh, this event really did, you know, foster those things being even better because, you know, basically you draw line of sight from any point on the model to any point of the model. And it's if you can just fly up and touch the base, you know, plane can see what was inside those boxes and it can see what was behind those boxes. And like the game that I lost against Cliff. Uh, he pretty much could go up with his three planes and all three planes touched the ruins that were my deployment zone and all three planes could see everything that was behind the wall on the ruin and behind the ruin and just basically shoot the shit out of them and ruin them and so that's kind of you know if you go second the ruins really don't do much to mitigate your your army getting shot up from flyers you know and there's nothing you can do to deploy any differently deploy any other way you know you you're pretty much going to get seen and you get shot by flyers and if someone's running three of them you know someone's running four of them it just gets old and it gets nasty really quick and luckily the the admin game i played against kicker you know there were no flyers and that was fine but the games i played against orcs you know the orcs basically had to get one turn of touching the ruins on my side of the board with the planes to be able to shoot, you know, about anything in my army that was stashed behind a ruin or stashed behind the footprint of the ruin. And and that's something I think GW might consider is it, the GW events team in the future might consider the, the footprint of the ruins being a little bit too big or maybe uh, another piece of intermittent ruin, you know, breaking up the line of sight from the, from the bigger one in the backfields or in the deployment zones. So... But the terrain was good otherwise. Like the, you know, there was some, some negative one to hit terrain that was in the outside lanes, which I'm I'm kind of, sometimes I'm for it, sometimes I'm not, because it really didn't come into play in the game a whole lot with the missions that were, were lined up with it. And I would have rather seen that in a shooting lane than see it, you know, out on the outlying edge of the board for things. So... But it was good. Uh, terrain was high quality. It was all Games Workshop stuff. Uh, they did block off the first floor. So if you uh, if you had a first floor, you assumed the first floor, you couldn't see through it. And I like that personally. I think it's good for keeping infantry alive. And uh, I super dig it. So they did a good job with it. Um, no system is perfect. So even even the flyer issue in the games where there was no flyers, um, terrain did pretty well. Terrain protected pretty big parts of my army, and uh, I like I like what they did. I like the direction they're going, and I, I like how it played out on the tabletop. So uh, there's there's my opinion of the terrain for the event. Uh, I think I already gave my shoutouts, guys. I kind of did that a little bit out of order, but there's my take for the the New Orleans Open, uh, the Warhammer US Open, whatever we're calling it. But you guys know what event I was at, so. Um, thanks to everybody that was a part of my weekend. Um, if I did not mention or name you, uh, it's I, I don't want you to take that as a slight. I just there, there was just so many people, so many faces that I was lucky just to be keeping track of it some days. So 
and uh, I had eight good opponents, eight good games. If I got to play you, I appreciated it, and I hope you had a fun time playing me like I had playing you. Uh, but I was sure ready to be home after after eight games in three days, and uh, I really, I really would do that experience all over again. And uh, I think it was worth uh, the money and the time uh, doing it. And uh, I highly recommend um, if you if you if you want to go to uh, another one, go to it because Brant, you know Ryan and, and the crew um, put on a good event, and uh, it was worth the money and it was worth the time. And uh, I think you would enjoy it too if you're a competitive player or even if you're a hobbyist, like in all the ranges in between. Uh, it seems to be a good time. And uh, that's uh, that's about all I got. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, give me some feedback. It's just a lot of me talking, dude. It's not the usual. But, uh, but here we are. So see you guys uh, every Friday on Flying Monkeys Wargaming. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Game over, man. It's game over.